0: Welcome to the porch, an online community of believers committed to restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence of the early church. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burn. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the word of God and the example of the book of Acts church to discover how the early church served the Lord. In doing so, we discovered the church the Lord intended, and not the one that man created. The porch on the air since March of 2010 can only be heard on Firefall Talk Radio, which is a part of the Firefall Media Group.
1: We're glad you're with us. To reach us click the contact button on the Firefall Talk Radio homepage at firefalltalkradio.com. If you want to support what we do there are ways to do that starting with a PayPal link at the bottom of the homepage. You can also use the Venmo app, which is easier to use and has fewer fees, where we can be found under at Firefall Media Group. One word. Uppercase on FMG. Thank you to each and every one of you who support what we do. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Give as the Lord leads. And now, to the Bible study with Richard Grund.
0: Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18 says this, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And while it's not necessarily about praise, it is about rejoicing in difficult times. Psalm 717 says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Well, I praise him. I praise him for my home, for my wife of over 40 years, our family, our sons, daughter-in-laws, grandsons, our furry kids, and every possession I have comes from him. I praise him for his provision and protection over each and every one of us, for the dreams and the visions, uh, for the healing virtues, for the fact that his word is still good. It's yea and amen. His promises have not failed. I praise him for divine favor and revelation, for being a new creation, living in these obviously prophetic times. I praise him for America, even with everything going on right now. and It seems so dark. I praise him for living in a country that I can do this with you without fear of reprisal or anybody trying to stop me. And I praise him for the signs he's giving us that he's getting ready to return. I hope you're listening to me each week when I say that. So get ready. Psalm 122, verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Jerusalem is the apple of his eye, Israel is his nation. We are grafted into the vine. So I know when I pray for them, I'm praying for us. Praying for America during this tumultuous time. I'm Praying for godly leaders to stand up. And for righteous citizens to start praying and doing what they need to do. Praying for justice and righteousness and for every evil thing to be exposed and dealt with. Our God is a God of justice and righteousness and holiness, and all I'm doing is asking him to be as good as his nature. Pray for the fatherless, the widows, the persecuted, the martyred, the innocents, and those who are victims of injustice. The slaughter of the innocents in and out of the womb, both human and animal. For the missing and exploited children, for the victims of sex trafficking, human trafficking, a diabolical, demonic enterprise that's been around way too long. I long for the day that it's no longer here. I pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted, being martyred, being punished for their faith. So many every day. In North Korea, if you're a Christian, they put you in prison. No Questions asked, no stop and go, no collecting anything. I pray against the religious persecution, the anti-Semitism that seems to be growing each day. I don't know how people can ignore it, but many are. The spirit of the Antichrist becomes bolder as the time of its personal unveiling draws near. So let's pray. Let's pray for divine wholeness, health, health continue healing as we get back to our divine design, the way we were designed to be, the way he intended us to be. Part of that's our fault. We don't eat right. We don't exercise. We don't do the things he's asked us to do. Part of that's our ancestry, and part of it's the world we live in. So let's deal with it. Let's start with prayer. Let's start with taking it to him. So if you're injured or you're sick right now in heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit, I pray that he would touch you and heal you, pray for protection over each and every one of psalm ninety one covering for inspiration the fire of the Holy Spirit to rise up in the remnant to wake them up, and that they would answer the call to action that those that have been blessed would be a blessing that the doors would open, that we would prosper in accordance with his word that the conduit, open conduits of his blessings would flow to fund the dreams and the visions and the missions that he uh, has ordained for us and the assignments he's given us. And, of course, we pray for our lost family members, that they would become saved, born again, healed, and delivered. I want to offer up a prayer for a close friend of mine, Rick, in Winter Haven, Florida. He's uh, my former Taekwondo teacher under whom I got my black belt. He's been in the hospital with pneumonia and COVID. Uh, as of yesterday, he wrote and says, I'm doing much better. Thanks. It's probably my best day so far. Got up this morning, was able to freshen up, put on clean garments, get my bed refreshed. I've been back to bed, been walking around the room, sitting, reading, doing breathing exercises. So I feel much better. I can feel it breaking up in my chest, and obviously things are coming up. So I'm seeing movement and improvement today. He gave me an update. I have to go through a treatment series. It'll take me through Friday, and then they'll evaluate my release. I'm feeling better and stronger in Jesus' name. I am completely healed. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, Deb here in Orlando, my wife is asking for prayer for our daughter-in-law's mother. Her name is Maria. She's in Portugal. Her house had an electrical fire last night, destroying much of the house. She got out safely, but during the lockdown there, it's very difficult to get things straightened out. So please pray for her. Pray for Maria and her family. Keep them in your prayers and pray that the Lord would supernaturally help them in this situation. Kim in Fort Mitchell, she wrote me and said, I'm a little stretched out, but I have much to be so grateful for. I know who saved my soul and who keeps me sober every day. So thank you, Lord, for my family, my children, my husband, my friends, Bruno, her dog, the porch porch community, and everything he provides and teaches me. She says, Father, I need your favor concerning my mother's house in Germany. The situation is so complicated, but you already know the outcome of this. I trust you, Father. May your will be done. I'm also praying for this legal matter in Germany to come to an end. Lord, so much is happening in this world that is not my home. Help me to stay focused and keep my eyes on you, God. Help my husband through his grief of losing his grandmother. Keep my family safe as well as the porch families. Uh, praying for Richard's friends suffering from COVID and everyone else's family members who suffers from this virus. Praying for my daughter, Tayana. Help her find her purpose in this life. Let her keep our, our eyes on China, praying against every attack of the enemy, uh, Uh, In the future, Father, I'm praying for all the souls to be saved and not a few, as many as possible, and show me what I can do to help with that in Jesus' name. Well, Father, you know all these things. We're not telling you anything you don't know, but you asked us to bring them to you, to speak them out, to come into agreement. So that's what we're doing right now. And everyone listening is offering up their prayers that we've not spoken to you. So we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for being our Abba, our Father, our Papa. We thank you for loving us, that you are the great God. You are El Elyon, God Most High. There is none like you. And we trust in that. We are confident in that. So we thank you for answering the prayers and bringing the blessings and healing those that need to be healed and doing the things that we have laid out before you by faith. We thank you for Yeshua, your only begotten Son. And Lord, we thank you for doing what we could never do, that pay the blood debt that we had due to our sin. Every time I talk about it, Lord, I get a little emotional because of what you endured, what you went through. What you chose to do for me and for all of us, something we can never repay except to love you. So we do. We love you. And we thank you. We need you right now. We need your reassurance. We need to see you act upon the things in this world that deserve justice. We need your hand, Lord, strong and mighty upon your enemies. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide us, even in this Bible study. Let the words be your words. Let the inspiration, the knowledge, the teaching be yours so that we can be functional and be about our Father's business. So have your way. Do as you will tonight. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. And if you agree with me, just say amen. Questions are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we've been starting out the Lord's Prayer. And I haven't felt led yet to stop it, so we're going to continue. Matthew six, nine through thirteen, if you know it by heart, do it with me. of a homeland that he made to Abraham, which unfolded through Jacob and Isaac and was fulfilled through Moses and Joshua. It took 400 years from the time the promise was made, but he kept it. Moses taught that the land had been held in trust, belonging to God's people, and that obedience to God's ways brought blessing in the land, and disobedience brought his judgment. Last week, we talked about that before the promise happens, a relationship must be forged with the Lord. Abram, even before he became Abraham, had to establish a relationship of faith and trust. He had to leave the place of comfort and control into a place of the unknown. You see, we all want the promised land, but we don't want the unknown. We, we want it without the effort. We want it without the relationship to obtain it. And we forget that the initiative was always from a divine perspective. God took all the initiative. He approached Abraham, or Abram at that time, spoke to him in a vision, uh, did that binding blood covenant by splitting the animals and walking through it, a, a formal covenant to secure the verbal one. And if you remember, he cut the animals in half and... They both parties had to walk through basically saying if may I become like these animals if I break my word. But he put Abram to sleep and God walked through it all by himself. He alone did it. Because his oath was unilateral, it was unconditional and no requirements demanded of Abraham. Abram, In this legally binding covenant, Abram simply believed. The Abrahamic covenant is the Old Testament model for the new covenant in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. And the new covenant, bringing still closer friendship, relationship, and higher blessings, is sealed by the blood of the Messiah. And he represented both God and man in that deal. So the promise is sealed in the blood, his blood. And not even 400 years of bondage could interfere with God's plan to fulfill the covenant he made. Why? Because the promises of God are yea and amen. If he said it, he will do it. He promised it to Abraham, Genesis seventeen eight. Also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan. As an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. He promised it to Isaac in Genesis 26, 3. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. To Jacob in Genesis twenty eight thirteen and 15. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Behold, I am with you and keep, will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. We hear it again in Exodus 6, 4, where he says, I've also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. See, if God makes a promise, he will be glorified. The problem that we have, I see in the church today, so many men and women and people want to be glorified. They want to act like they had something to do with it. They did not. He will be glorified, and he will not share his glory, but he will share the blessings with you. But as you get close to the blessing, there are things required of you. Faith. And action, So come with me and let's follow the journey. Let's go with them on this journey. Departing from Mount Sinai and the giving of the law, Israel followed Moses up to the very edge of Canaan. In the two years since the exodus from Egypt, God had proved his faithfulness and his power. You have the ten plagues against Egypt, the pillar of fire by night, cloud by day, to lead the people and shield them from the sun the heavenly manna and miraculous provision, the wisdom given to the elders to judge and administrate, and then, most of all, you have the encounter with the tangible, visible power of God on Mount Sinai. Before entering the Promised Land, I'm being told that you can't hear me. Can anybody else confirm that? Let's, let me stop here for a second. I don't understand what's going on. I'm watching the levels rise. Well, if I can't get it straightened out, I'm just going to keep going on, and then I will post the recording up on uh, speaker right afterwards. So let's go to Numbers 1317. Moses is going to send 12 spies, one from every tribe, into the land of Canaan to scout things out. And you know, as I read this today, I never thought about this. Why would he need to do that? God said, it's yours. Go in and take it. But for whatever reason, they felt the need to scout things out. So starting with verse 17 of Numbers 13, Moses sent them to spy off the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests there or not be of good courage. And bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. Then they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahaman, Sheshe, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. They came to the valley of Eshgal where they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes and they carried it between the two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. Boy, it's making me hungry. The place was called the valley of Eshgal because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut there and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went up to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Now, this must have caused a a big reaction from the crowd. So Caleb quiets the people before Moses and said, Let's go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with them said, We're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is the land that devours its inhabitants." And I think they meant it literally that Nephilim were cannibals. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So were we in their sight. So even though the Lord has promised this land to them, even though they brought back this giant cluster of fruit, all they can think about is that there are giants capable of great destruction and violence. And this is confirmed in Deuteronomy 9, uh, verses 1 and 2. Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today and go into dispossessed nations greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the descendants of the Anakim, whom you know and whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak? Previously, in Deuteronomy 2.10, it talked about the Emim, another uh, tribe of Nephilim, had dwelt there in the past, a people as great and numerous and as tall as the Anakim. Well, who were the Anakim? They were the descendants of a man named Anak, who we are told had three sons, Sheshe, Ahaman, and Talmai, which that's in Joshua 15 and Judges 1. Now Joshua later committed to the destruction of the Anakim. He was not fearful. Joshua was a man, a great warrior. And so he only left them in Gath, Gaza, Gath, and Ashad. That's in Joshua 11. You hear in 1 Samuel 17:4 it says that Goliath was from Gath. So he was a descendant of Anak, and we know Goliath was a giant. Caleb, Caleb drove out the Anakim from Hebron. Um, a city that was formerly called Kiryath Arba, named after Abba, who was the greatest man amongst the Anakim because he was the father of Anak. And you see that in Joshua 14, 15, Joshua 15, and Judges 1. So if Abba, the greatest of the Anakim, is the father of Anak, therefore he must be Nephilim. So in the natural, they have the right to be afraid. But then again, they've been journeying with a supernatural God. Though the two two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, urged the people, pleaded with them to remember God's faithfulness and his power and to trust in the Lord, the other ten, along with the entire multitude, forgot all that had God had done. Sometimes this happens when you're making a journey into the promised land with others. But here you have a situation. Moses and Aaron led them. Joshua and Caleb reassured them. But instead, the people listened to the ten voices of fear. If you've ever been around people like that, fear is contagious. Get away from people like that. Jump with me to Numbers 14, verse 1, and you'll see what happens. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And so they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. That's what fear does. When faith is gone and fear comes into the equation, you think about going back. You start griping against God. You start griping against the, the leaders that God has placed in your life, and you blame it on them. They were so fearful of the Canaanites that they actually spoke of returning to Egypt rather than trusting God. Well, let's get something straight. God alone is to be feared. And moments of human fear can be opportunities for deepening faith in him, but they're not opportunities to quit. Proverbs 29, verse 25, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord... Shall be safe. Proverbs three verses twenty five and twenty six. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble that comes from the wicked, nor of trouble when it, when from the wicked it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will be your will keep your foot from being caught. They forgot the admonition of Deuteronomy one twenty one. Look. The Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. The dictionary of Bible themes talks about faith as a constant outlook of trust towards God, whereby human beings abandon all reliance on their own efforts and put their full confidence in in Him, His words and His promises. Folks, were there right now in America. Going back is not an option when you're walking with God. Look at Luke 9, verse 62, when the Lord says to one of the people, who says they want to follow him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And that remark about being fit for the kingdom of God demonstrates the seriousness of commitment to him. Putting a hand to the plow means you are engaging in the task. You're committed to the task. In this case, it's serving the kingdom. If you're looking back at the same time, it makes it very difficult to plow straight furrows. Looking back to our Egypt in the world disqualifies us from serving in the kingdom. If Jesus set his face to go to the cross to receive the promise for us, then we ought to commit to go all the way with him no matter the cost or the obstacles. The Matthew-Henry Commentary says, Those who begin with the work of God must resolve to go on with it, or they will make nothing of it. Looking back inclines to drawing back, and drawing back to perdition, which is destruction. For those those are not fit for heaven who, setting their faces heavenward, face about, but he and only he that endures to the end shall be saved. Faith is believing that he can even when we think we can't. Hebrews eleven one faith is the substance of now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him jumping down to verses 8 and 10 by faith abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive As an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has no foundation, whose builder and maker is God. A journey that began in faith from Egypt to the Red Sea crossing, so everything that they endured, is almost derailed by fear. But if he makes the promise, the promise is his to fulfill. People of faith will rise up and push back against the fear. And that's what we see in Numbers 14, starting with verse 6. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation and the, of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. For they are our bread, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Let me say that last part again. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. For they are our bread, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But fear was instilled. And it it eradicated all the faith and triggered an ungodly response. That's a dangerous place to be, folks. If you allow fear in and faith leaves, you have entered a very dangerous, dangerous place. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Had the glory of the Lord had not appeared in the tabernacle, they probably would have killed Joshua and Caleb and maybe even Moses and Aaron. Because of their lack of faith, God was angry with his people. And he was ready to destroy them on the spot. Only Moses' intercession spared them this faith. Folks, we need leaders to intercede. We need people that are real shepherds, real pastors, real leaders to intercede for the church and for this nation, and follow the example of Moses, so the Lord says to Moses, "How long will these people reject me, and how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed for them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make you I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they." Now Moses could have have easily said, oh, okay. But he didn't. He pleaded and interceded with the Lord. and So he says to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear of it. For by your might you brought these people up from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They will have heard that you, Lord are among these people that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you've forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Well, he must have touched the Lord's heart. The Lord said, "I have pardoned according to your word, but truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have put me to the test, now these ten times have not heeded my voice. They will certainly, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers. Nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant." Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went with his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Again, he reiterates that. I guess he was really frustrated because he says it again. How long shall I bear with this evil Congregation who complained against me. They must have still been murmuring in the camp. I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness, all of you who were numbered according to your entire number, from twenty years old and above, except for Caleb the son of Jephtunah, and Joshua. The son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in, but your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and bear the brunt of your infidelity, until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness." According to the number of the days in which you have spied out the land forty days for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely forty years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do this. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me in this wilderness, they shall not be consumed, and there they shall die. Now, the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against them by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephthunah remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. Pretty heavy stuff. Obedience is the condition for your entrance and journey into the promised land. What's so difficult about that? Really, what is so difficult about trusting God and not listening to your own mind, your own spirit, or to the flesh, or to others? He's made promises. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord God has commanded you that you may live. And that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. It was told to them early on. But this example became an example to Israel. It should be an example to us. Psalm Psalm 106, verse 24. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his word, but complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Therefore he raised up his hand in an oath against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their descendants among the nations, and to scatter them in the lands. Scripture after Scripture after scripture, about what they needed to do. Deuteronomy 11, verse 22, for if you carefully keep all the commandments, which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you. You will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon the land where you tread just as he said to you. I think we're in a place right now as a nation where we've lost our way we have forgotten who he is. We have forgotten that he ordained the birth of this nation. But we allowed people to come in, corrupt people, ungodly people, people that worship pagan gods. And we allowed them to corrupt the nation. And so now we're being tested again. We're being shaken again. But following Moses' example, I have pled before the Lord in that way. Will you punish the just with the unjust? will you allow the children who were obedient and loyal to you be seen as a reproach but this was a promise god made if he's made you a promise and that's a promise you know is from him has been confirmed by two or three witnesses who don't know what the other witnesses said don't don't manipulate a confirmation People will come to you and tell you something that confirms something someone else says, and God will do that two or three times. You might even have to do like Gideon and lay a a fleece before the Lord and ask him to confirm something in a supernatural way. But once he's done it, you have to hold on to it. Numbers 32, verse 9, For when they went up to the valley of Ashkal and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger was aroused on that day, and he swore out, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt, from twenty years old and above, shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, The Kenizzite and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generations that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. Don't mess up when you're on the verge of entering the promised land. The land was a promised inheritance. It was extremely fruitful and full of blessings. They were called to the land, and it was theirs. But the enemy had to be displaced and replaced. Darkness had to be driven out, light installed. Light and darkness cannot coexist. Light dispels darkness. And whenever we set up a situation, whether it's Israel in Canaan We're here now in America where you try to allow darkness to coexist with light. It does not work. To do that, they will ask you to turn off your light. Sin and holiness and righteousness cannot coexist. Liars cannot coexist with the truthful. We're here to be an example, not a partner. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. Every day this becomes more apparent, especially as the spirit of the Antichrist begins to take over and we see more attacks and more ungodliness and more ugliness and viciousness. We cannot compromise. We cannot go along to get along. We cannot turn down the light so they're no longer offended by it. If anything, we have to shine brighter. After all the trials and all the tests in the wilderness, which some passed and many failed. After 40 years of testing, after 40 years of correction and cleansing, Israel's is close to entering the promised land. And that's where we'll pick up next week, crossing over. But as I've watched going what's going on in the world, especially in the church right now, the church is in a tumult because many people made prophecies and promises that as yet have not come true. And, be, you know, we should be thankful. All these so-called prophets out there, they should be thankful that we don't stone them to death when their prophecies fail. But there's a difference between misinformation where you get something wrong Or disinformation, where your information is incorrect on purpose. Now, I don't know everybody's intention. I don't know if some of the things they got wrong was intentional. I don't believe so. But I believe a lot of people heard what they wanted to hear. And I believe we're in a moment where God's going to glorify himself. He's not going to glorify a man. We're in a time of correction. And just as the world talks about the great reset, I believe the body is on a, at a time of reset. I think the remnant is being risen up and pushed forward as those who—I uh, don't want to say that. Lord, just I'll back my tongue on that one. It's time for cleansing. It's time for judgment to begin at the house of the Lord. It's time for judgment to begin upon this nation. Time for judgment to begin upon the world. We need people to remember who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the father of Jesus of Nazareth, is. We need a, a Red Sea moment. We need a a wilderness moment. We need a Jericho moment. We need something to remind the body of who we are, that the spirit inside of us is the spirit that raised Yeshua from the grave, the same spirit, the same voice that spoke everything into existence. We've forgotten that. We're all caught up in fear. We're all caught up in seeing things with our natural eyes. We're walking by sight and not by faith. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying, no, you must walk by faith and not by sight. I don't know what else it will take. Because if it takes much more than this, I can't even imagine the discomfort that will come from it. I'm praying that leaders and believers everywhere are before the Lord like Moses was pleading with him with the same logic. Repenting, apologizing, and saying, Lord, if you allow this to happen, how does that glorify you? Entering the promised land is a responsibility. Yeah, it's a free gift. I won't deny that. But it's a responsibility. It's a responsibility we have to live up to. We need to have faith. We need to have obedience. We need to have action. Now, for some reason, that message doesn't resonate today. Everybody wants a fast food God. Hey, here's my here's my 25 cents of praise. What can I get for that? No. It's time to praise. It's time to pray. It's time to believe in ways we've never be- believed before. He's a great God. He's our Father. And He's our Lord. And He did all of this for us. I got a little thrown off here by by the, apparently the sound not working. I'm hoping it records so that I can just upload it and you can have access to it. I don't have control over what Spreaker does. When the Lord blesses us with the money that we can build our own studio, then we will have our own broadcasting and we'll have our own um, technology. But right now I'm the beck call of internet service providers and the c- computer makers and we're seeing the techn- technology giants serving their God. So Lord, I just come to you now. I come to you as your son. I come to you as your servant. I come to you as somebody who loves you. I believe that I would have stood with Joshua and Caleb. They sound like my kind of people. Lord, we need Joshua's and Caleb's now. So I pray that. I pray that you'd awaken the Joshua and Caleb's in the land. I pray that you'd awaken your remnant in such a way that like the resistance fighters in World War II, we become the thorn in the side of the enemy. And no matter how big and bad and powerful they think they are, we'll do what you call us to do. But right now, Lord, again, I pray for favor, grace, and mercy for us and for this nation and for all believers out there, Lord, and everybody that will be affected by what's going on. I pray for your sons and your daughters, anyone with fear right now. I speak to that fear. I bind it in the name of Yeshua. And I call for the measure of faith you need to fill you, for the Holy Spirit to envelop you and overshadow you. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the manifestation of the fruit and the gifts into your life. So that you can function in the kingdom of God as you've been designed to function. Lord, I praise you. I praise you that whatever you're doing, you're in control. We trust you. We trust your promises. We trust your word. And we long for the day that we see you face to face. But until then, we will occupy. We will tarry. We will do what you've called us to do. We will stand. We will fight. We will pray. We will do all the things necessary in accordance with your word. And we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the honor. And we'll give you the praise. And I just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. I'm going to close this out with a song by Dennis Jernigan. I've used it in the past. And then after that will be the sound of the shofar. But let me bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Gunn. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.
1: Wait.